0: Hello, I'm Sarah Vine, and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus, in association with Boots. Boots. I shall be going to Boots later <laughs> to get more antibiotics I from my, my mother to Boots. glue here, Did you? Yes. Well, she's, she's come here. over from France, hasn't she? Yes, and her
1: first and it's trip obligatory
0: is... when mothers come over from abroad for mm. them to go to Boots and Marks and Spencers.
1: Exactly. Yes. To buy a cardigan. Yes. And some eyeliner. Exactly. I once Done. lost
0: my mother in Marks and Spencers for eight hours. No, Marks and Spencers Marble Arch. I don't know what happened to her. She disappeared. She was just transfixed. She was just by so the excited by being a pants. I know. Excellent. People don't realise what it's like to try and live without Marks and Spencers <laughs> and boots. They don't know because they've no. unless you've lived it's abroad. Like living abroad, it's just extraordinary. <laughs> anyway, I am joined by uh, this week, as every week, by my friend Imogen Edwards Jones. Most of us took up making banana bread mm. or Zoom workouts during the pandemic. Our next guest took on a rather more ambitious project. Choosing to write a book that documents the history of the entire world. The entire world. Simon Seabag Montefiore. <laughs> Ambitious lockdown oh, project. Yeah. Can we just give a in it's the world. Br- yeah. I have to say, Simon. Welcome, Simon. We're well, lovely to be here. It's yeah. so exciting Welcome. to join you. We're not going to call you Simon, we're going to call you Bag, because that's what you're actually <laughs> you called in real like, life, but, <laughs> isn't it? Um,
2: yeah, Bag or Seabag. Um, your
0: book, it's The World, awesome. A Family History. Yes. I have to say, I've been ill, so I've actually had some time to do some reading, which is unusual. And it is actually really brilliant. I'm yes. thoroughly enjoying it. Thank it's got you. a it's huge, dear reader, listener mm. rather. It's a doorstopper. But the genius of it is, is that it's history told through families and people and dynasties. So there are very few dates, which I like in a yes. history book. Yes, and that's,
1: it's that's all right. it's 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 full of beef, isn't it? It's
0: full of gossip, gossip and beef. Yes. So
1: how did you choose? Who to? How do you start? So if where the did start, the idea come yeah, where from? to? start,
2: um, I wanted to write a world history. I always wanted to write one since I was young.
1: Did so you
0: ever want to be king of the world, Barry? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh,
2: Boris. That's, that's Boris. Boris, <laughs> but I did, I did, I did as a child fantasize about that sort of thing right. um, a lot, and I am fascinated with rulers and politics and power. Obviously, from mm. the, you can well, tell well, that yes, from the course. book. Stalin. Along along with all, and I started off writing about Catherine the Great and Stalin. Mm-hmm. So I've always been into all this stuff. But basically. I wanted to find a way that sort of tethered all the important things in the world to the human side. Mm. So it had the span of a world history, but the sort of intimacy of a family full of mess and gossip and filth and tragedy. It's yes, like succession. Like succession. Like
1: the crown. Yeah. But all sort of... But about, exactly,
2: exactly. Yeah. It's, but, how,
1: but how did you choose who made the cut? Because because the the idea of the world is quite a daunting prospect, to say the very least. So who did you... How did you organise it all in your head? Um, That's what I wanted to know. Well,
2: once I'd come up... Well, when I came up with the family idea, it's yeah. a really simple idea, but like all all the sort of best ideas are simple. Oh. And the thing is, it's suddenly, my God, this actually works. Because it means you can... If you can have, if you can master all these different worlds mm. and these different continents and stuff, you can follow it through. And the great thing is for the reader, rather like a family, that you, where you know the grandfather, the son, the children, mm. and then the grandchildren. That should be like that. For the, it could work for the reader like that. Mm-hmm. So when you know the Habsburgs or the emperors of China or the Mongols or whatever, you would already know the grandfather. So when you came to it as a reader, you'd be familiar with Genghis Khan, for example, right, yeah. or, or the Prophet Muhammad, mm-hmm. or whoever it would be. So that was the idea. Once I had that idea, then I made this huge map of the sort of of time, mm-hmm. and I just followed it through where um dynasties crossed each other, and so you could you could go from one to the other, you sort of get an. Idea idea of how much stuff is happening simultaneously oh, mm. in different places at the same time and you never really know as a as a reader which thing is going to explode
1: mm. next and how, how how interesting is something like hindsight when you're writing something like that because obviously everyone is making decisions in the present but That's you right. as you as an author have hindsight so it's well, quite an interesting. That's inter- such
2: a good point, Imogen. Um, because there's there's two things. There's two sort of huge challenges to put. Like, first of all, is presentism, mm. which means like we're now obsessed. All we're now obsessed with is the British Empire. Mm. So, should this whole book be about how bad the British Empire is? For example. Um, and the answer to that is, uh, you know, we, we should try wherever possible to sort of not to not to um, indulge in presentism, but well, actually just write what's important. to some of the
0: other empires in your book, the British Empire <laughs> seems like a sort of starter empire, really. Oh,
1: quite benign.
0: Well, quite
2: sort of, well that's my that's perspective is everything, because like yeah. all these people, all these, all these people who are obsessed with the British Empire, it's a sort of English a- Anglo parochialism mm. to me. Because I treat the French Empire exactly like I yeah. treat the British Empire. Just for example, and it's the one that's and the Dutch Empire, which are the ones that are most similar. Mm. They ain't pretty either. No. And then the other thing is what you call, what you're saying, hindsight. Um, uh, you know, which is like I call sequencism. For example. Saying the Shah of Iran is is a joke because he, you know, he was overthrown. Yeah. Or Napoleon III was a joke because Mm. he was overthrown. Well, in fact, one should, in the book, one should sort of feel that one should feel as people felt at the time as much as possible. So the Shah of Iran was was one of the most successful, you know, post-war non-European statesmen. but obviously he screwed up big time. So, well, it's all political so career's yeah.
0: end in disaster, don't they?
2: Yeah, and all the vic- I mean, that's the fascinating about the world game, you know, in, in, in power, geopolitics. I mean, no one stays on top for long. Yes. Every victor is only a victor for a sort of short while, and yes, then, then exactly. they fall. So that's what the book is about. It It is sort of succession in Game of Thrones.
0: Who was the most surprising person that you came across in your research? Mm.
2: One story I did love is I love the Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings story. Um, Thomas Jefferson, after marrying and having ch- having daughters, mm. he then married his wife's enslaved half sister, who they? was very beautiful. She was called Sally Hemming. She was she was sixteen. Good he was in his forties. He was the American ambassador mm. to Paris at the time to the French Revolution. Mm. When she arrived in England and um, the um, the, Adamses, the Adams couple, the future president, met her, they, she was so pretty. They said she can't possibly stay with um, the widow where Thomas Jefferson, she has to go back to America. But anyway, Jefferson has given orders that she was to be sent to Paris, whatever happened with his daughter. So when she arrived, he then embarked on this love affair with her, which is one of the most fascinating stories in history. Because, first of all, you realize how American slavery worked, how mm-hmm. the sort of planter society there worked, because... She was his wife's half sister, but his wife's but his wife was the was the was the heiress of thousands of acres and thousands of slaves, mm. and her own sister, in other words, the child of her father with with an enslaved. Yes, um, so her father, had already, already been he'd yeah, playing yeah she was her property. You're so, joking? Yeah, well she was an ens- she was Gosh. enslaved. She was half white and, was and she half black. Br-
0: brought up as the sister.
2: No, they weren't brought up as the sister. They were brought up in the it, with very privileged, like so, in the master's house, mm. um, not working in the in, on the fields, mm. but obviously very much as sort of domestic servants as so well. So she
0: came to Paris with the daughter.
2: Yeah, as the daughter's companion. Oh, okay. As the t- daughter's companion. she came to Paris, and they then started this affair, and it was top secret, obviously, because Jefferson then had children 16. with her. Yeah, George jo- Jefferson then had children with her. I think four children survived, wow. and then. They went back to America and, of course, he became Secretary of State, then President. Mm. And when he was in the presidential election, The Secret came out and there were these stories that started appearing. It was a huge scandal. Yeah. He survived it and he won two elections, um, Jefferson, mm. um, and became you know two-term president.
1: That's a movie in its own, but, well, its own right, well, isn't well, I think it? it happens right. Today, but yeah. Yeah. but, but that's a storm. very interesting story.
2: Yeah. Now, of the children, two identified as black and remained in the African American community, and two identify as white, and they've sort of vanished into the white white America. Mm. But I think other fascinating stories are stories like, you know, um Tani or, or Kosem, these kind of all powerful female. Yeah. Since this is female. Yes, this isn't is, a,
1: there's a lot yeah. of females in, yes. in, in your yeah. book. Because also, uh, the idea that everyone always says if women ruled the world, they would it would be a much better no. place. But apparently, the difference between matriarchy and patriarchy in your books. Yeah. They, women seem to be as equally unpleasant well, as there the is men. Equally,
2: they're equally brilliant and equally awful, right, um, yeah. depending on you know. And after, after you know, after recent premierships yes. in England, I think we can sort of see we can see that it's not always best if a woman's At what in charge. Point
0: did the sort of did it become the default option, the default setting for men to be in charge?
2: Quite early, but in Africa. Actually, there was much more matriarchy all the way mm. through, mm. and um, there were there were you know amazing queen mothers you know who were all powerful actually and chose the kings and everything. Mm. But in Western society, really early, they think.
0: And does it coincide with Christianity?
2: No, much much, much before that, than yeah. That. But the interesting thing is that you know families are, if you think about it, actually sort of social constructs because mm. obviously. All the people, the people who have the name get, get the kudos, the yeah. eldest children, the eldest sons. But actually all the, da- the descendants of the daughters are, are equally descended gene- yes. you know, inter- genetically. But the interesting thing about fam- this, the reason why I wanted to do a family history is because it includes the women mm. equally. And of course, women are just as important in family and in family businesses mm. as yes. men. I mean, one of my favorite is Kosem, who was the sort of wife of a sultan of the Ottoman Empire. Therefore, already one of the most powerful women in the world. Yeah. But then when he died, she became the, the most powerful woman in the Ottoman Empire for 30 or 40 years. She was stolen and enslaved as a young girl, oh. sold to the Sultan's harem. When you were sold to the harem, is fascinating. There are lots of harems in the book. The interesting thing about harems is, they're not all about sex mm. they're also sort of crashes and they're also where the you know the, the the king or emperors or whatever's mother sort of held court with all mm. her friends. So they were very social she, she became the key person mm. in the in the Ottoman Empire. This is the time of James I and Charles I and Cromwell. One woman mm. dominated the Ottoman Empire during those whole that whole period. Gosh. she was funny. we have her letters she was mm. clever. In the end, she had to kill her own son, which is an occupational uh, hazard a of power. He became sultan and he turned out to be an erotomaniacal psychopath.
0: Isn't that what happens, though, if you don't have anything else to do with your day?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Too many rubies. (laughs) Yeah, the reason is because he was the only one who survived and wasn't strangled already because he was actually mentally ill. Is it
1: inbreeding, do you think?
2: Um, Not in this case, because the great thing about the Ottoman system was there was no inbreeding because all the women were slaves from Greece, Bosnia, Italy, Russia. Did they just
0: basically go around just choosing all the prettiest girls? Yes, Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the, I mean,
2: the most, the most famous of the most, one of the most fascinating, is Roxolana, right. who was Ukrainian. She was the love of his life of Suleiman the Magnificent. So this is the sort of time it's of Henry the Eighth.
1: Names as well, haven't yeah, Wonderful.
2: <laughs> and she was, the, I mean, she was the most powerful Ukrainian in world history. Wow. But also an amazing kind of mother who promoted her own sons against her other people's sons killed. Of course, I And mean, it was a very vicious world.
1: I think, yeah, what's fascinating is how sort of cheap life was. It's so like, if I don't like you, I'll just have you beheaded. I mean, you know, the idea of getting into an argument with somebody, they are absolutely brutal, aren't they? And sort It of really is survival of the, yeah, but it's the like, best connected.
2: But it's like that in a lot of these absolute monarchies. Mm. Um, I mean, today we have places like China, North Korea, mm. you know, Syria, which are all in the book and they're all families that are told in the book, President Xi's family, for example. But there when the prizes are so big and so absolute, costs of losing mm. are pretty serious. Yeah.
1: But in, in in sort of history there are so many sort of urban myths about things like say for example Catherine the Great and her horse all these things that you're yes. supposed to... Isn't that just sort of fake news to it discredit is fake them? fake news, but the That short... was fake news to yes.
2: discredit her. Yes. And, um, and another one, of, of course, Potemkin Villages, he, you know, which was also huge fake news because, yeah, right. in fact, Potemkin built all those places. Oh, so
1: they weren't drawings.
2: They weren't drawings. I mean, uh. what Potemkin... Potemkin's a fascinating character because one thing he did was invent the modern state visit. Yes. yes. Where now you have people everywhere. Every state visit, everybody is bored to tears sitting there watching dancers dancing. Yes. Well, he invented that. And that's what people said. That They said it's just theatre. Mm. And that's, what, that's how the sort of Potemkin village is started. Oh, okay. Basically, it's responsible for boring everyone to death <laughs> ever since.
1: So tell me what's, what's happened recently with the bones.
2: You know, Potemkin and Catherine the Great are big figures in this book. Yeah. Both of them equally brilliant. And they were kind of equals. Because in this case, the woman was the empress and the man was the sort of prime minister or yeah. partner. But the thing is, she was a usurper. So she wasn't very secure either. Mm. And so they were kind of equal. They needed each other. And so they probably secretly married. And their love letters are astonishing. Imogen, Mm. you know a lot about this already. Well, no,
1: I don't. No, I don't, actually. But it's very very interesting.
2: And so... They set up. One of the things they did. They couldn't have been less like the present regimes or yeah. the 20th century regimes of Russia. They were children of the Enlightenment. They loved art. They loved everything British and English. Mm-hmm. They had English gardens. Mm-hmm. They had English admirals. They bought Joshua Reynolds. They bought Walpole's whole art collection, as you know. So they they were they were very very enlightened and and pretty humane for Russian rulers, mm-hmm. but they also were great imperialists and mm-hmm. they wanted to conquer. South Ukraine. Yes. But it was, it's a surprise to people now to realise that South Ukraine then wasn't full of any Ukrainians. It was actually a Tatar, an Ottoman it was, yeah. um, realm. It was yeah. the carnate of the Tatar. Mm. So it was a Muslim area, minimal Ukrainians, just a few Cossacks mm-hmm. in um, the Zaporozhian sitch. Mm. And they, um, they conquered that very successfully in about 20 years. This is the same time as the founding of George was- America, mm. George mm-hmm. Washington and Jefferson and everything. And they conquered it. And they filled, they built towns, Potemkin built cities, and he built the cities of Odessa, Mariupol, Kherson, all these That's cities. That's
1: why they're so beautiful, because they're, they're properly old. Well, they were properly designed. Really. Yeah, yeah, they're very beautiful and cities. They, and, yeah. they,
2: and they filled them with Jews, Poles, Ukrainians, Italians, French mm. settlers. An incredible project. One of the most successful sort of colonizations mm. in history. When he died and she died, after that, they, those areas became more and more Russian. And Putin is obsessed with that period because that's the period that that whole South Ukraine and Crimea they annexed the Crimea 1783 Mm -hmm. he's obsessed and when I wrote my first history book 20 years ago Putin read it And and, um, discussed it with George W. (laughs) Bush and all this kind of stuff. So then it was a bit of a joke. It was just like, well, this kind of new, young, reforming prime president is so interested in my book. Wow. Yeah.
1: Did you ever talk to him about it? No, No. I
2: never met him, but I talked to his ministers about it.
1: Well, didn't you have some various meetings in various... Didn't you have a meeting in Moscow and a meeting in London with his officials? What went wrong wrong with Putin then?
2: I I think we just have this kind of desperate, wishful thinking... Um, wishful thinking for all Russian leaders that to, to imagine that they're all reformers. Yeah. And that ref- and if they are reformers, we imagine that they must be reformers in a pro-Western way. But
0: I mean, if he was reading your book and discussing it with, with George Bush, th- at that point, he must have been in a sort of slightly different mental space to the one that he's in now. No well, I
2: don't think he was because um, I think he read it differently. I think he saw... Because the reason why he liked the book, and I was sent this message from him, was like, we really approve of your book. Pres- a certain person, it really proves your book, mm. because you've presented Catherine and Potemkin not as sort of um, like normal Westerners kind of giggling about the sex life, but as mm. great statesmen and r- great Russian imperialists. And what he was interested in about them was that they took the Crimea and South Ukraine. Mm. So recently he's begun mentioning Potemkin more so, and more. So- when I wrote the book I went to Kherson where yeah. Potemkin's bones are mm. by the way Potemkin's body is spread all over the place everywhere I went I said it's Potemkin buried here they went "They went some of him <laughs> but not so all what, of him he's <laughs> he had a lot man. of bones his femur no his bones well, I, I started is like off,
0: Christ who has about 73 yes. fingers yes, yes. <laughs> no, but
2: they're all real because I went to I went to Yash in Yashi in Moraine um, I said because he died near that I said is, is his body here they said like some of him, so I said, "What's it?" They said, "Was well, viscera here, but not the rest of him." What's them. viscera? I said, his guts. Um, his guts, and then oh, okay. and, and brain. They said, "But his heart's not here." Oh. I said, I "Don't worry, I'll find that in Hirson." So I went to Hirson, where he was until recently, yeah. until Putin stole the body. Yes. And I said, "Like," and I, I said, "Is he all here?" They said, "Yes, but not his heart and his viscera." I said, "I know his viscera, but where's his heart?" They said, "We don't know, but we think it could be." So I found his heart where? in his village in near Smolensk, in his small. Chichyovo, in, in his village church, where he was buried, where he came from.
0: Wow. So, so when
2: was this? Um, Twenty years ago, when I was <laughs> writing my book Catherine the Great right. and Potemkin, pretty amazing. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, amazing. So, so, but what happened was last week, Putin stole the body. Mm. He stole Prince Potemkin's body from here, song, mm. where mm. I saw it, and taken it to places unknown.
1: Yes, why?
2: Well, I think he's going to give. Um, is he doing I think some sort of
1: weird
0: sacrifice?
1: Well, Either that or is he going, he's going to probably entomb it next oh, to probably, Lenin or something. Do you I think and he's
0: going to drink it as no, he's trying I to get the strength?
2: Possibly. But I think he's going to probably build a sort of tomb in More's Moscow somewhere in the, and, yeah. and build because and, and have all the names of the towns that he conquered and built. <laughs>
0: Looking after your sexual health just got a lot easier. With Boots Online Doctor you can get access to test kits and prescription treatments if appropriate for a variety of sexual health issues. No need to wait for an appointment, just fill out an online questionnaire today and you can help keep on top of your sexual health from the privacy of your own home. For more information, visit boots.com slash online doctor. Boots, with you, for life. T's and C's. Access to treatment is subject to an online consultation with a clinician to assess suitability. Subject to availability charges apply
2: so russia and ukraine are a big part of the book obviously but the great thing about it is uh, is that it's not just about russia and britain and america sort of great great powers i mean it's also got china and india Mm. which missing but also lots of smaller places It's not just a victor's history it's also about cambodia and hawaii and haiti for example there were two emperors of haiti and one king of Haiti. Mm. And the king of Haiti's widow came to live in London. So she was queen of Haiti and she lived there. So it's sort of, there's some truth in Bridgerton. Oh, if that's you've been interesting. Enjoying, if you've yeah. been enjoying oh, Bridgerton. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so there was a black Georgian queen right. of Haiti right. living in London with her, is daughters it? who Where were princesses. I, I can't spread. remember in Camden, I think. Oh, Camden. You know, yeah. Camden,
1: that must have be been a village then. Yeah. That must have be been... Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes. But, there's, but they've recently put a um, blue plaque on her Ooh. house. Yeah. The point is, it's just fascinating. There were monarchies in Haiti. Gosh. And kind of obviously copying Napoleon a bit.
1: And is everybody driven by, you know, sex and power... I mean, is that, is that the sort of driving force behind absolutely everybody? Or was anyone, any of these despots, uh, driven by altruism in any way?
2: Obviously, many of the people in the book and the families in the book are rulers. And, of course, in a family history, sex is kind of important. Because mm. otherwise, yeah. you know, you don't, you know, I mean, do I, I don't need to explain that <laughs> to your listeners. <laughs> I'm fascinated with sex. My readers are fascinated with sex, just yeah. as we are. And then, you know, you've got all the dark matter, what I call the dark matter of history. You know, war, empire, mm. slavery. I mean... These are important because this is how change happens. Mm. This is how the world develops. All the crimes and tragedies, but also the achievements of humanity are in here. There are singers, there are writers, mm. there are, you know, Frank Sinatra Mick Jagger are in here. Mm. Um, oh, your mates. Well, I never knew Frank Sinatra. <laughs> but Frank Sinatra is especially fascinating and as far as, you know, because... You know, he was one. He was the sort of the first sort of pop singer, sort of popular singer, to be really intertwined with power. Yes. You know, he absolutely. was very close to the Kennedys. Oh. And the Mafias in the book, of course, because be you know, that's, that's a real family. That's a real family. La but, but, but there are lots of sort of other people: doctors, artists, and, and lots of historians yeah. and, and novelists. also, not
0: everybody is a sort of you know, hard carrying aristocrat. No. There are lots of... I'm I'm fascinated by what makes ordinary people become extraordinary. Is it
1: height? Are they all short? I don't know. It's very interesting because I
0: just... Some are very tall. Some of them just have a lot of courage and hotspot. I mean, what is that? It's courage and it's
2: confidence. A lot of it is confidence, but it's not enough just to be confident, as Liz Truss showed. Mm. Because confidence on its own is completely useless. And then there's charisma. One of the things that I sort of plot in the book is what I call en- encompassing charisma, where mm. somebody starts off sort of seeking power in a small mm. way, and more and more people. Identify with them and join a coalition, mm. you know, as Reagan and Blair and yeah. Thatcher did in politics. Clinton, and Clinton, Bor-
1: I mean, he he's the, the most. And Boris Johnson, to yeah. a certain extent, yes. you know,
2: when he won that election, he showed encompassing charisma. Charisma call- is just sex, really,
1: isn't it? Well, Bill Clinton yeah. was famously incredibly charismatic. Did you, did no. you ever meet yeah, him? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did
2: meet him. I, and one of the things in the book is I've met in the last twenty years this or been... thirty years, <laughs> I've met some of the people, yeah. and I haven't put all of them in, obviously, because some of them are just sort of short-lived English prime ministers. Mm.
1: One, Gorbachev.
2: I never met Gorbachev. Yeah. I met Berezovsky. Yes. I remember him telling me um, one of the things which I quote him in a book saying is like we, we, we're going to be like we oligarchs are going to be like the new Medici. We're going to yeah. we're going to found dynasties. Oh. And it's like, well, that didn't last no, long. No, it didn't. You know.
1: Um, it no, I remember meeting somebody actually at your house, and I was asking him about another Russian oligarch who I knew, and and he would pause and he says, would is he still alive?
0: Yeah. Still, that says it all. <laughs> 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 Terrifying. I mean, they're, 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 the stakes are very high in this book. Yes. Yep. That's the thing. You've got, to, yep. you've got to risk a lot, haven't you? To you've get got to a risk
2: lot. a lot. And you've got to have courage. I mean, one of the things that goes, it also plays into the sort of family idea is that you know, many of the men, it's about relationships with mothers and mm. mothers are really oh. powerful. Mm. And when you look at Hitler and Stalin, of course, are in the mm, book. Exactly. And when you look um, at them... You know, it... It, it it used to be traditional to say like oh they were all beaten by their fathers that's mm. why they were so but actually everyone was beaten by their fathers in, in those sense, days yes. and this means nothing and mm. everyone had drunk everyone's fathers drank because everyone drank of course so but what I think is much more important is the mother relationship and when you look at Hitler again everyone was trying to say oh he had such a terrible childhood actually when you look at it he didn't he, he, people were much too kind to him in his childhood yes. he, he he gained his massive confidence because well, his that, mother completely inde- spoiled him well, like Putin, her. Putin, Putin creates...
1: is the same Putin, yeah. Putin was spoiled. Rotten by yeah. his mother yeah. because she he had two elder siblings, and they uh, died. brothers who died. So yeah. He's the youngest of three boys, mm. and she homeschooled him. That's right uh, until he was about nine or something. And then when he went into the school system, he was completely shocked that that he wasn't the sort of god that he the thought point he was of being horrible to my son, so that <laughs> I don't realise. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise,
2: he could be horribly successful <laughs> if you if you were too nice to him. But it's it's very important. But I but I, I want to stress that even though there are terrible things in this book, and it's filled with monstrous people. Mm. they're also filled with wonderful you know Michelangelo and um, Bernini and the Dumas. I mean Alexander Dumas and his mm. family and all these sort of and and so Balzac and many How fascinating did you do people.
1: Seabag. I mean, the, I mean, was was your office just like a wash with yellow post-it notes? Were you like some yes. sort of I've, Rain I've, Man I've, I've, I've going entirely in, mad sitting there? He
0: does go completely mad. I've walked to your husband. I've walked to Seabag's house when he's been writing and he's usually just listening to the Rolling Stones at ear spitting levels. Or Bowie. Or Bowie. Yeah. Gosh.
1: Have you? Right with
2: noise. I just have to because I'm desperate to find energy. Right. And I mean, it was so hard to do this book. I have to say, all I find, I think all books are hard. Even and I write mm. fiction as well mm. as you do. Yeah. And, and you write nonfiction as well. Yeah. I'm imagining But I mean, the thing is, it's incredibly hard to write any book, so and yet boring. alone a good book. It's
1: boring as hell. But
2: but this fair. book has literally almost killed me because I mean, I've written books with. I wrote a history of Jerusalem, which covered thousands of years. Yeah. and That's what led to this in a way. Um, and then the Romanovs. So I have done sort of long histories before, mm. but this was definitely the hardest thing. I mean, it did almost kill me. I and mean, there were times when I was in despair.
1: You, you got really
2: thin as well. I seem to remember. I did get thin. <laughs> really thin.
1: Yeah. It was like it was sucking you from the inside.
2: Well, also because well, I was exercising so much during lockdown <laughs>
1: to try and get to, your
2: le- just to try and get energy and just to sort of you know. Mm. But I, but I woke up in cr- earlier and earlier in the morning, like a like someone in love, mm-hmm. heartbroken person. Mm. And I woke up. It sort of. By the end, I was waking up at five in the morning or four in the morning and starting to write. Um, The difficult thing was selecting, obviously. I I didn't just want to write another book that's just about Henry VIII. I wanted it to feel like a really global book, and it does. Mm. I wanted it also to be filled with stuff that people didn't know, but also fun to read mm. and that's the
0: no, this hardest is the thing, thing. Is it, it is, it genuine, is f- it's really fun. fun to read i mean it's quite naughty in places mm. there are some very rude chapter titles which i don't think i can say wait
1: well, we you say one of them
0: one of them's got the word penis in it
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> and, and that's about princess Pr- princess walada daughter of a caliph of um of andalusia spain it's filled with amazing women she was a poetess and a libertine mm. and a Muslim libertine Gosh. so she wrote very sexy poetry oh. best fun bits in the book you know if we, if we could all really be alive I mean you might think oh I'd love to be alive in sort of you know Edwardian England yes. or Georgian yeah. only you know, if I was
0: fantastically but, wealthy but the mm.
2: best time was to be in the sort of the, the caliphate of mm. baghdad or, uh, okay. or or um cordoba where she was right because those were the most decadent luxurious delicious the shopping was the best in the what world the dates? um <laughs> well sort of eight you know the 800s yes. from about sort of 750 to nine nine hundred it's and is like
0: that, the alhambra and yes Pencilbils. yeah
2: but that was a bit later but bit later. but um yeah but you know but you'd have loved it i mean Baghdad was the place. Um singer singer girls were sort of were, were, were like footballers. They were being paid higher and higher fees as they were bought from people. Oh, um, but they were enslaved, but they could but many of them were freed and became very rich because oh. they were like film stars. Mm. They were a wonderful part. I mean it's the Thousand and One Nights. It's exactly that Harun al Rashid and that. That was the time to be alive. And I quote from all the poets, yeah. and they're all outrageous. I mean, I, I, you know, some of them I had to censor. Really? Um, and, but most of them I've put in in full. Mm. And they do mention a lot of naughty words. And many, everyone was kind of bisexual. Um, all the men were bisexual. I think,
0: well, it's funny how, how, how puritanical we've become. Yes. We've yes. become. Mm. Yes. I mean, because the world, I mean, I just th- <laughs> th- th- think people judged... People didn't see sex as a sin necessarily. Well but did they? you
2: see that. I mean you see that at the moment. that Everyone's become incredibly sensitive in the last ten years yes. especially. And incredibly moralistic. And it's literally like Puritanism. Mm-hmm. It's like people have come incredibly prudish. Like oftentimes you see people being denounced for things. And actually what they've done is make jokes mm. about things yeah. during I mean often you know you often see kind of poor lecturers. Um, university professor denounced by their students, and when you read what they've done, they haven't—they've they, just made jokes. Yes. They were joking about things about yeah, yeah. sex or history yeah. or something, and it's like, what?
1: So, do you, so do you think the sort of Puritanism of the, uh, the American? the idea that 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 is now going to become the predominant culture
2: well america's always been really powerful mm. um and we we but in england it makes england, no
1: sense because if you look at american culture
0: it's pornographic
2: yeah well it's a mixture so there's this whole
0: sort of bizarre sort of dichotomy where on the one hand you've got sort of cardi b yes. you know basically fellating somebody on stage yeah. and and then you've got people who you know won't talk about anything it's, you, know, you mm. can't say anything you can't make a joke well, no, but, but
1: also you know if you if you're you know sex automatically means yeah. that you if you have a babe if you're pregnant you're not allowed you know it's, it's ridiculous. like this yeah. but that's what but
2: that's the, the that's part of the effect of america itself the nature of america i mean you often forget because we because we knew the east and west coast so well mm. for so long when you study america and i tell it in the, in the book actually it's a conquest settler country yeah it's a conquest state And a conquest state is a state that literally was conquered by men with guns and swords. Mm -hmm. It was much slower than everyone realised. It really ended only in the 1890s and 1880s when they massacred and put down the last of the Native Americans. Mm -hmm. They only won because of massive migration, massive. It was only when the steamship enabled millions and millions I think something like sort of 13 million people mm-hmm. in sort of a very short time from
1: mainly from places like Ireland from or Germany
2: Germany, Germany I mean, yeah. the Trumps the, we, one Who of the families them? that we follow is the Trump family no. from Bavaria <laughs> and we start following the Trumps in 18 in the early 1890s because we, we, we cover Bavaria yeah. and we follow them across and of course his grandfather how did you
1: research all of that though? well the,
2: you know because what it is is like the way, it's, the way I did it was so much so much of history is in kind of very firmly boundaried yes. sections yeah. people are reading biographies of trump without thinking about what was what was 19th century bavaria like yes. so i'm putting the two together gosh, gosh. and that's what i've done in the in book a giant jigsaw and puzzle. it's just basically it's just massive reading and i just can't wait to sort of start reading normally now mm-hmm. for pleasure yeah. and reading Do you think
0: fiction america is I, I mean i my view is that america is just too big to to govern yeah i mean i just think it's it's just you know we're just watching the midterms now obviously yes but i just there's just never going to be any consensus in America
2: maybe it's maybe maybe i think what you're you're putting your finger on what's really interesting about this and that is that you know we, on a wider on a wider basis you know everyone thought that the internet which of course is one of the most biggest life changing mm. things happening is and is done covered in detail in the book. Mm. But we all thought that it would kind of unite the world or open it more. And in mm. fact, it's done exactly the opposite. Yeah. It's divided everyone much more into um, their sections yeah. and, and their echo chambers, and, their echo chambers mm. and all that. So I think with America, it's just accelerated the fact that America was originally a federal country. Mm. It could have been a much more federal country mm. in different definitions mm. um, of, of the constitution, it almost became almost divided in in 18 in the 1860s uh, yeah, and it probably should have and, done, and it could have done and of course one of the fascinating things in the, in the book is that period where the sort of the tsar of Russia was supporting was supporting Lincoln mm. and Britain and France the sort of which were sort of, semi democracies at that time support it was very close to supporting the slave owning south so it's a very interesting moment in history mm. which everyone forgets now which we which we come and also that there were there were, it was a I mean, the ruler of America then was—I mean, ruler we of, of France then was Napoleon the Third, and France was the most debauched Babylon, mm, of um, a word that I know you know <laughs> yes, well. Because exactly. all your books are exactly. all your books. <laughs> You're <laughs> your serious, but you should do one on uh, the real that the real Paris Babylon, Babylon which yes. all the courtesans and that was really when stars. You know, I mean, fame was you know, in a modern way mm. um, was was re- really invented because they were the first people. They had sort of photos of themselves were mm. being sold. Um, they were re- all the newspapers. Start, new newspapers started mm-hmm. covering yeah. all the famous courtesans like La Bella Taro, and um, they were all fascinating characters. And of course, talk of royalty: Edward the Seventh, Edward the Seventh, then Prince of Wales, yeah, and went crazy in Paris. Yes. yes. And he even had his sex chair which was designed yes. for two yes, we've women. Seen pictures of the sex chair. To make Have two women. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's quite, it's it's like a sort of uh, it's like stirrups basically. Oh, it's basically like a, It's
2: basically organized so like a, a gynecological, a, a, gynecological examination. Yes. It's for yeah. a plump no, it's more like it's designed for a plump man, let's put yes. it like that. <laughs> A generously proportioned, um, the a generously proportioned member of a member of the House of saxe Coburg no. could could be pleasured without having to move in any way that oh. might might break a sweat
1: or well, exactly or burn a calorie
2: <laughs> or burn a calorie. There's absolutely no intention of that. So that's a wonderful period yeah, and yeah. a fascinating period. But but I think it ends, of course, with looking into the future. And one of the things is how to cope with the internet. Mm. One of the things is how to, what's going to happen with nuclear weapons. One of the, there's a lot to talk about. Do you but have you, any answers? No, no answers, but predictions. Mm. But one of them is is a prediction you've just made, which I think is clever, which is like America is going to become a real federal country, yeah. and there are going to be blocks that are that are governed entirely differently yeah. from other blocks. Yeah. I think so, and people will. People have to make decisions. Like, I can't get an abortion in this area. It's already happening, but, isn't it? Yeah. But my company has to be based there because mm. I don't want to pay tax. So mm. I'll I'll put up with that. And then when I, if 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 my girlfriend or my daughter or mm. or I need an abortion, mm. I'll I'll travel. To New York, but then I'll go back to where my company's based in Miami, and that's already in Texas, and that's Mm. already happening.
0: I mean, I think the differences between states in America are as pronounced as the differences between countries in Europe. I don't think there's any real, you know, the notion that it's one United States. is just, you know, absolutely true.
2: And and you know, and then of course, you know, one of the big things is we've got to learn how to how to control the internet. You know, the despot I call them sort of the despots of data. But at the moment, we've got a few men. All of them are men who control, you know, Zuckerberg and et cetera, et cetera. Elon Musk is a yeah. well, who, who all control massive amounts yeah. of who we are.
1: And, and we also think, sort of, probably erroneously, that they're benevolent. But we're, complicit in, benevolent.
0: But we're and, complicit in this. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, we do have a choice. Yeah, you have a choice not to be on Twitter. Yeah. You have a choice not to be on Facebook. Yes, and if more and more of us did that, then yeah. you know we could we could well, actually. But, but, I, but, up, but we're brilliant.
1: relying on them being benevolent, aren't we? But yeah. no one, so, yeah. And that, like at the moment, they're benevolent. pretending to be. But. Well, they're making when I mean, they decisions.
2: We've already seen in, in a huge inconsistency. Let's just call it inconsistency in their yeah. decisions. You know, like when. Trump was removed. Now, I mean, I'm not a fan of Donald Trump, but, no. but the fact is 70 million Americans or 60 million Americans voted for him. Mm-hmm. And, but some, one person made a decision to take him off Twitter. And other people made decisions that, you know, Joe Biden's son, Hunter, his, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the stories of his scandals as a crack addict yeah. would not appear anywhere. Mm-hmm. Anywhere in the in media, not in CNN, not on the New York Times, and not on Twitter or anywhere else. So that was about three men. Um, yes, all white men. For, yeah. If that, if, if we're interested yeah. in that sort of analysis, yeah. but three men who we don't know decided to remove something that was entirely true yes. from yeah. the yeah. internet because it didn't suit yeah. a political view. So that's all fine if it's if it's who we approve of and mm. and it's pe- but suppose it's people that are t- talking the truth are being removed mm. by yeah. these three people. Yeah. So that needs to be sorted. Yeah. That's one and huge Putin. thing. And Putin. Um, I think that even though it's kind of like it's not acceptable to tell Ukraine when to. Um, when to negotiate, but the fact is, there will be a point where both sides have to talk, have to talk. Mm. and that will be when, when probably when Ukraine's won some of the south back, yeah. mm. probably Kherson, where those bones were that mm. we talked mm. about, and then there'll be a new borders of Ukraine, probably decided by war. Mm. A war will decide it, just as the borders of Israel and Jordan mm. and were decided by the nineteen forty eight mm. war, yeah. and there, those those borders, there may be little wars to change yeah. them, but hopefully they will become st- stable and Ukraine well, will the, become a stable democracy. Well
1: the problem is that they, those borders were decided and uh and, and negotiated and they gave up their nuclear weapons yes. only for Russia to renege on that that again, original treaty.
2: But again the parallel is very similar to um, Israel and the, Mid- yeah. the Middle East, where you know the United Nations did decide those borders, yeah. and everyone agreed. And the United Nations agreed them, and then they all. Then, then the Arab states invaded, yeah. and and so that and the result was, it's the, it's the, you know the, the destiny of the region has been decided by war ever since yeah. and, and power. So that will happen in Ukraine as well, and no one will be happy with the result probably no, ever. Be, no. no. And um, forever, but yeah. we we will we will rebuild. Ukraine. Ukraine will will be a Westernised democracy, mm. hopefully. Mm. And yes. Putin, in the end, will leave power, probably when he dies.
1: Do you think, or do you think he'll be removed? I mean, I think.
2: I mean, I've the Tom
1: Toms are out at the moment. Yeah, who's listening? He's reading. Looking, he and could he's reading, easily um, be uncannily. Well, I
0: have
2: yeah, <laughs> he could be. He could. I mean, one thing you've got to do is like there are endless sort of people just repeating the same stuff about mm. what's happening in Putin's mm. inner circle. Actually, very few of them know. So I thought
1: there was a meeting in Poland, but last week where yeah, where was. where people were, were meeting to try and get rid of him. Yeah, which were which I thought was that's the first I've heard of I'm anyone. The putting up barbed ice, barbed wire fences. I read again. Everyone forgets
2: that Poland was oh. part of Russia mm. yeah. until. Um, until 1918, mm. and um, and then again, it was part of the Russian Empire after 1940, after 19, after 1939. Mm. So uh, until 1985, until the 90s. Mm, yeah. So so the fact is, Poland is rightly very concerned about this. Yeah, yeah. and you know, the, the the Pilsudski, the Polish, the first Polish president in modern times, wanted a sort of, um, wanted an alliance of sort of powerful Ukraine, and Lithuania, and Poland. To to rule as they had in the 14th century, because in those days the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, Poland, the Commonwealth, as it was called, ruled from the Baltic to the Black Sea, right. and held back Muscovy, as it was. Russia didn't exist yet. Russia was only invented by Peter the Great. The word Russia was invented by Peter the Great.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. What does it mean?
2: It just well, it's just Rus. It's just a Greek version right. of Rus, which is an old, which is the old sort of principalities which is that, originated that, that, that originated in, in kiev, originated in <laughs> kiev, kiev yeah. which which really we know very little about and have <laughs> yeah. nothing to do with russia today but no. putin says they do yeah so history is important yes, and that's yeah. why this book is trying just to get in a way that is accessible and exciting for yes. people mm. and is and is, is it all about people that mm. made the world it's
0: all about people it's all about humans it's all about family. this is why it's so brilliant it's mm. because it's it's you obviously know everything. You, you, you know you know an awful lot, but you've managed to put it into a book in a way that I think anybody can really read it yeah. and enjoy it. Yeah, it's not. It's not sort of. It's not. It's not full of its own self-importance. It's. It's a sort of joyful kind of celebration of humanity. Mm. Thank and the you.
2: events. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, it's,
0: you know, it
1: almost really, killed it is, me writing. I know. It. It really are you doing anything next or are you just lying down in a darkened room <coughs> thinking stop the
2: voices? Room. Yeah, no, in the darkened room. I'm going on a world tour because it's coming out, it's being translated wow. everywhere. So, um, I think
0: I have to say, I think it is a wonderful Christmas present. Yes. It's definitely going to be on my Christmas present.
2: Yes. Because it's quite chunky. You know, everyone says it is quite chunky. It certainly is. Yeah. But it's actually the same length as recent biographies of. President of American presidents or Churchill, and it has all the Churchills in it. Well, thank you, Bag. That was brilliant. Thank you you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so honoured to be invited into the.
0: I feel like I I might be intelligent for the rest of the day now that I've spent half an hour with Bag. That was Simon Seabag Montefiore, whose book, The World of Family History, is available now. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at MailPlus, me at westminsterwag, or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen
1: Edwards-Jones. Thank you for listening.